special edition, special edition, Nighthawkers edition of Fresh My Fresh right here. It's about 2.34 in the morning. Yeah, not going to take up a whole lot of time. This is one of those episodes where I could do a multiple part thesis of some sort, just like shooting some stream of conscious, consciousness, excuse me, off the mind. I got a couple of notes I wrote down for this, and um, interesting, very interesting. Want to get some feedback to whoever's listening to, you know. Just like a few episodes ago, we was talking about, you know, somebody was saying that, you know, outcast, outcast wasn't better than Mob Deep or whatever, and you know, bad to differ or outcast, you know, uh, you know which one. Which Outcast release was better? So the playlistic Cadillac Music or AT Aliens? And you know, just to remind folks that there's a lot of people out there that dig so the playlistic and know that it's better than AT Aliens and stuff. It's just like you know, it ain't my opinion, but interesting thing, interesting thing that happened uh, Sunday morning. On my Facebook page, start first post of the day, uh, it was this cat. I didn't get his name down, but he had a post. And the post was like a year old, and it went something like this. Um, Mention no guns, no sex, no drugs, no haters, and no money in your songs. Particularly talking to the rappers. And then he goes, now write, now write a song. And as usual, I would have people reply and be like, you know, yeah, right on, right on. And it's like, you know, a couple of them be like, you know, hey, that was a couple of people. There was a there was there was a time where that was prevalent. Like, you know, a lot of they say a lot of music looks like that. A lot of rap music is like that. But there was a particular time. There was a particular time where none of that was mentioned. Hip-hop in his essence was trying to get away from the violence and the stuff that, that drugs, that, you know, that, that realm that, that brought that forth. Need I remind you that when, when hip-hop really was really in its beginnings getting started, um, project buildings was getting burned down by greedy landlords. That's what part of that created it. The drugs was always there. If it leads to more evidence into it, like, hey, people wasn't putting their reputation on the line like that. You could always draw a line to Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. The message being the first quote-unquote reality record. But everybody wasn't everybody wasn't doing that. Everybody wasn't rapping like real gritty street type. Even though this this music is pretty much from the street, like there was a need to make clean versions to certain records and stuff. But just think back to that time. There was a time. Yes, there was a time where 
that didn't mean you was real or anything. People rapped about the certain about off the wall stuff like rappers alike was like a a, a a conundrum of things that was off the wall, you know. I got a swimming pool that's in that's in a room that's really off the wall. It was a lot of not saying it was fantasy or something like that, but it was a party joint and people were having people was having fun with it. This is the reason why you know, as time goes on and people get more musical with it, you can bring a whole lot more to it. I know personally for myself, that was like, that was Scarface. That was, you know, when the Ghetto Boys came. That was the Ghetto Boys. And there's things like that. There's things about it. Uh, Three things. There was, and I'll break it down. I'll break it down like this. I I know when I was coming up, listen, I was a teenager, you know, uh, eight or nine years old in between that time. Yeah, I was coming up on stuff like Too Short. I was come up, coming up on things like UTFO. Let's see, I know Too Short, Two Live Crew, and NWA. Those three groups, and this has been discussed before. Um, Too Short brought that pimping and brought more of that street rap to the game, even deeper than what Ice-T was doing. All right, Ice-T, what he brought to the game, he brought the hustler and gangster stuff, which is something he had been doing from the beginning, along with the uh, B-Boy stuff that he was doing. He was down with Zulu Nation. Matter of fact, he was... He he was from the East Coast and went to L.A. And, and got his respect because they looked at him like, yo, you could have got your head torn off here coming out here with that with that mess, with that mess. But we, we respect you. And, he, and, and the respect came with every move he made from that point on. You know what I'm saying? He talked about the hustler lifestyle. He talked about the pimping and everything. But it was a morality to it. With, with, with groups like NWA, it got out of hand as far as a morality with it. Nobody said you couldn't rap about a whole lifestyle, and as you know, later on, later on, you, it's only it was only a couple of people in the whole group that that really lived that. But the whole thing is what I said in the last episode. Don't put nothing in in your songs that you don't want out there and don't put nothing in your songs that don't equal up to your life. We know you're not killing. Well, too short, he was bringing the pimp into the game and that kind of like when he was the only one. Things I'm expressing was like that was only a couple of people that was out there really doing it like that. Too short brought the pippin in the game because this record industry is full of pimps and hoes. When Too Short brought the entertainment to it, that broke down a whole lot, a whole wall, and that gained him some influence. And other folks who came up off of that, they wanted to do that same to do that same thing too. I drew plenty of lines. I drew plenty of lines was like on some level cool G rap. 
but especially 8-Ball MJG and UGK. They had they had what you call game lace lyrics and music that was off of not just not just uh crime, criminal activity, but also the pimping as well. Once again, wasn't everybody doing it, but folks was influenced. Folks was influenced, which also led to like later on do or die, twister. But not to go too far from that, um, Ghetto Boys. Once the Ghetto Boys shook their Run DMC, Beastie Boys sounding stuff, and got to sounding like, you know, on the Ferrilla, my nigga, just call me Scarface. When, when, when Brad Jordan created the Scarface character and he went into the whole thing like that, like really taking the Tony Montana character there, it really gave the image of what rap a lot CEO J J Prince was really getting to as far as like selling records. The records sold, you might have found out about them through a friend or something like that, cause these records didn't get radio play. At least at least in Mobile, Alabama, you found out I know I found out about word of mouth. I know my cousin had it. <laughs> my cousin had friends going to uh going to Shaw High School and I remember the summer of nineteen ninety, uh, we all listened to um Arab and Rakim, um, Let the Rhythm Hit 'em album, Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted, and the Ghetto Boys, the album on Deaf American, which is really like the um what album? The Grip It. The Grip It on that other level album. They came out in 1989 um, on rap Also, the uh, Willie D, the Willie D Controversy album. Like, an album like that couldn't, couldn't, wouldn't, I'm not sure what it would do these days. Going by the album cover, for those of you who know what that album cover looks like, that's what that is, but... It's a difference. Okay, you had the Ice T part, but then you had the NWA part with the Dope Man and the Gangster Gangster. Now, this is not taken away from what legends do. They made these albums. They were critical releases. They got crucified. Stuff was justified. This is why kids, you know, the whole argument. This is why children. Uh, acting up in school today because this, because of this music and stuff. It's like, how the kids? Who's letting their kids listen? Who's letting their kids listen to this? The media would blame everything. I mean, once again, this is the same media that from Rolling Stone they gave De La Soul three stars for for the for the classic debut of Three Feet High and Rising. You don't have to like it, but it is what it is. Uh, Two Live Crew, they were originally before before Luke Skywalker. There was originally a um a three man crew, a three man team, a three man group that did up tempo stuff like some of the electro stuff that came out of L.A. during early to mid eighties and stuff. Uh, Fresh Kid Ice, rest in peace, uh, brother Marquise, and that was another guy. I keep forgetting that guy's name. 
I forget this guy's name, but they was, you know, they was originally Rock On Crew. And they dropped records on the uh, on the Freak Beat label, put out by Matt Cola. Uh, they took a trip to Miami and left the third member behind. And uh, they got they got to Miami and got with uh, Luke Skywalker, who ran the, uh, the, the teen spot, the teen jam spot, Pat Jam. Um, and they formed two live crew with Mr. Mix. Mr. Mix is producer. With Mr. Mix is heading as the producer, he um he added the elements that would kind of like make them into a the whole vision for two live crews. They were supposed to be in like a comedy troupe or that type of feeling was supposed to be in their music. According to what I was reading in uh in the first volume of uh Chet the Technique, what they was talking about as nice as they want to be is that we were supposed to be the reason for the Leroy and Skillet samples, the Lawanda Page, uh the Dolomite, the Red Fox, Richard Pryor samples in 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 they uh in their music was because it was supposed to be a comedy thing. It wasn't really supposed to be what it ended up being about. Which is which is also explains songs like Pretty Woman and um you know, the old Roy Orbison tune and um and Do I Did It. And uh, there's a couple other songs that, you know, I ain't gonna mention. But their music was supposed to be like that, but it ended up being what it was being, you know, the whole sexually charged, you know, throw the D, hey, we want some. And stuff like that. That's what it became known for. And that's also an influence. Because that was the only guys coming out of the South. That was selling records like that. Like by the time they released. uh, As nasty as they want to be. And caught the Supreme Court case. You know know where I'm going with this. They they had to uh, defend themselves as a Supreme Court. They eventually won the case. But... Throughout all that, it was a lot of people that got arrested for selling not just two live crew cassettes and CDs and albums, but anything that had the explicit lyrics label on it, the minors and stuff. And there was a few there was a few in Alabama that did it. There was a few in Florida that went to jail or whatever. You know. Um But the point of what I'm saying is the morality of the whole thing. People was influenced. Like, Tulare Crew weren't the only ones in Miami doing it, but they were the marquee ones that everybody pointed to. Um, back to NWA. NWA, the glory of the gangster and what will be, what would eventually be called gangster rap. Hip-hop luminaries like Daddy-O from Stetsasonic and Chuck D were, Chuck D from Public Enemy were the first ones who, like, really brought them to the East Coast attention like that because they was on tour. And like young people, you're going to keep up with the music that's going on. So they found about found out about NWA, probably had been listening to them. And straight straight out of Compton was the album that was out. And they was bumping this and people was looking at it like, man, what is this shit y'all playing? 
what is what is what's this noise and stuff, you know? What is all this? What are these guys? Where are they from? LAR man, get the f- get out of here. Yo. And they was like, y'all bugging. This NWA is hitting. Just putting that out there. <laughs> just putting it out there for folks who think that this is just a random thing that just came out of nowhere. Cause I believe when we we discuss hip hop, we discuss what we like and not what what's indifferent to us that's in the environment. You could rap about you could rap about what you've been through because you had that voice. But exploitation is a whole nother thing. You know what I'm saying? So with the NWA thing, you got the glory of the gangster. They had songs out there like that, you know. Um, straight out of Compton, it it was a whole, it was a whole nihilistic attitude with what they were doing. It's it wasn't different from punk rock, or whatnot, because the MC and the punk rocker vocalist has different. They have they definitely they have roots. In rebellion and, you know, uh, going against the status quo. All of it has a purpose. All of that gets thrown out the window, though, when in you when you deal with excess. Two signature songs that, that um, NWA is known for. Um, Dope Man being one of them. And it's a story about the neighborhood... The neighborhood dope man and what it does, and it seems like you know by the time you get to the end of the song, you realize there's no end to it. There's no, there's no moral, you know. Get the charge. I memorized the lyrics to it, all along with gangster, gangster, and boys in the hood, and all that. You know, it all, it's all a circle. It all goes into a circle. Boys in the hood is rooted in deep in iced tea six in the morning, which was an idea that was spawned off of Schoolie D's PSK. PSK. I remember being at Studio 15 and I was playing that. I was I just happened to be on the tablet and playing stuff and was catching ears. I know uh Kanze 8000 was listening. He 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 recalls the uh PSK from the uh from Biggie Smalls skit off of the uh Ready to Die. That skit that comes on before um more money, no more money, more problems. And I was like telling him, yeah, this is the original. This is where everybody's got their song from. This is where the uh, IC six in the morning came from, and where uh, Easy E got Boys in the Hood from. Um, I think that covered everything. But you know. That wasn't the all of it because it doesn't overshadow what what uh what LL Cool J did, what the Jungle Brothers did, what La Kim Shabazz, what Chill Raji, what Queen Latifah, what MC Light did. You know, if they rapped about drugs on their records, they rapped about the drugs and guns in 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 a certain way. A lot of the excess came like after the nineties. I would say after after about ninety five or ninety six when it was proven that hip hop was a was a selling point. You could you could advertise stuff with the music. You could push stuff. <laughs> it, it was in it was in the movies. It was it was in the soundtrack. It had been proven by this point that hip hop could sell records. Uh the next 
the next segment I'm going to do, I already know what I'm going to do it for, is it's going to be something real special. It's going to be something real special. I might even have, hand out some material ahead of time before I drop the episode. But, like, one of the things he said in that post, like, uh, no haters. I think all that hater came around from people biting a lot of West Coast stuff. Like, E-40, Tupac, Mac Mall, JT, the bigger figure. Um, it was a lot of, it was a lot of folks. So can't forget the clash that came up with, uh, Tim Dog. When Tim Dog went at, you know, he made a song called F Compton, where it seemed like all other stuff, you know, it, it was, it was pretty much pointed at Ruthless Records and stuff. Cause he named them by name, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. He named a few folks. Just in case you didn't know, if you ever listen to the Chronic and listen to uh uh listen to Dre Day, and you hear uh you know uh you hear Snoop's verse about Tim Dog and stuff. That's why was, that's what it was about. Like pretty much just every rapper in Compton and stuff. I know DJ Quick had something to say about him. MC8 said something about him on Music to Drive By. But in the end, it was a it was a, it was a moral issue with why certain records came out. It's like it's like if you came out independent, you could rap about what you wanted to rap about. But people still rapped about the things that is detrimental to the community or whatever. We still, we in 2020, we still having the same conversation about uh, bitches and hoes. How every woman is, isn't a bitch or a hoe. How every, you know, how every man isn't this nihilistic machine. But furthermore, there are albums out there. I don't understand how people could be in tune to streaming services and there's all this history out here there's books to read and stuff and still say that there's plenty of albums out there that they're talking about drugs and things but there's twice as many there's more albums me i'm of sound mind and body that believes that there are more albums out there in hip-hop that is not talking about Guns, drugs, sex, haters, money. It's just like it's not all. I can name them. <laughs> I can name them. I can start with an arrow. I think I named some. I think I named some. I mean, I can remember some Fat Boys albums. I remember the Skinny Boys, Tribe, Jungle Brothers, De La Soul. Before all that stuff became the manufactured, predictable content, there were plenty of albums out there, even in the 90s. It was just, man, let me go to bed. Peace.